Hello and welcome to this podcast episode. I have with me today one of our mentees, Steph Rowley. Now, is it Rowley or Rowley? Rowley. Rowley. Steph. I answer to both of them. (laughs) (laughs) And Steph is, you've been with us for how long, Steph? When did you join us? I think it was about the end of February, something like that. Okay, and we're now on the 15th of June, so that's what, that March, April, May, so three and a half months-ish. Cool. So, I remember talking to you, because I actually spoke to you a couple of times, didn't I? Yes, we did, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was was the second time I spoke to you, I was like, ah, the accent, I remember the accent. (laughs) It's voices that I remember, rather than names. So... Let's let's go back and let's talk about Steph's career because I know that you you I think you had quite an unusual career. I'm sure you don't because I'm sure what you did was what you knew, but I didn't actually even realise it was a thing. Oh really? So what did you do? So I worked as a market researcher for twenty years. What um, does the market researcher do? So basically, it's about helping clients who are usually companies um, work out things that they need to know about their customers, about new products they're launching, about advertising they're doing. It it can be all sorts of different stuff. So they come to the research company with a brief saying, we need to know X, Y, and Z. My job was then to go away to design a project that would help them kind of answer that question. I was a qualitative researcher, so that meant that I actually did focus groups, interviewed people, um, all of that kind of stuff, went around talking to them. And then we analyse it all and we go back to them with our findings and our recommendations. And that helps them to make decisions about whatever business decision it is they're, they're trying to make. So when you say they want to know X, Y, or Z, can you give me an example of what that kind of thing might be? Yeah, so I mean, it, it varies hugely. And so in my most recent job, I did a lot of advertising and communications research. So in that case, the client might come with, say, two or three ideas for a new advertising campaign. Mm-hmm. And we, they want to know which one is the, the best one in terms of... Uh, delivering against their objectives so is it saying the right things do people understand it is it conveying the right image of them as a brand etc um it could be stuff to do with behaviors so um you know i did a lot of work in a previous job um in regulation pensions regulation which sounds a bit boring it was actually fascinating because it was all around what do people do if you're running a business and you have to implement all these rules and regulations how do you actually do it what do you need help with where are the sticking points so it's interviewing people about that kind of stuff so that the relevant body can then give people what they need to help them so it's really varied yeah that's it does sound it sounds it sounds a lot more interesting than it might <laughs> first seem that's yeah probably just me yeah yeah <laughs> so you did that for 20 years mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you kind of fell out of love with it. I did, yeah, I did. And I think it was partly because I felt like I'd done the same version of the same thing millions of times. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, it felt like I was just 
constantly doing the same kind of five projects but dressed up as slightly different things all the time and I thought no I've I've had enough of doing this now and I suppose I got to the point where I just wasn't really sure what the point of it all was I knew the point of it was to help people make commercial decisions but I wasn't sure that I felt that strongly about that anymore yeah it wasn't um, important anymore it wasn't important anymore and it didn't get me excited anymore mm. and that's when I started to think I think it's time for something different mm. now if I remember correctly when we had a chat you were stuck at that point for quite some time that yeah. kind of Paul has an expression um, in fact it's not an expression he, when he was when he describes people leaving one job to go to another he says the emotional contract is broken a long time before the actual contract is broken yeah that's so true it is so true and I was stuck for ages because I had this kind of well, I was going to say an epiphany I guess it's not an epiphany because it was quite a long time coming but I had my moment where one day there was just the kind of final straw or whatever and I thought oh, I, that's it I don't want to do this anymore and I know that now for sure and that was really exciting um, and then I kind of woke up the next day and went oh my god what do I want to do um, and I got stuck in that bit for ages yeah. because I couldn't work out what it was that I wanted to do next I knew everything that I didn't want plus the fact that the job is quite stressful it's long hours it's quite demanding and I literally felt like I couldn't even really get the headspace to even focus on it that mm. clearly mm. so it took me a while yeah definitely to work out what my next move was going to be and then and then you found a coach I did or a coach kind of came to me in a roundabout way because it, while I was going through all this in my mind um, at work in my job um, as part of a, a kind of development program that I was on I was given six coaching sessions um, individual one-to-one -one sessions with a coach and I didn't know that much about coaching then but I thought oh well this sounds quite good um, why not and I started having sessions with this fantastic coach and really quickly that helped me to work out what I wanted to do. I hadn't really put a, a name to it yet. I just started to get that feeling of it was coming more into focus. What was going to be the thing that would interest me and would excite me. And then I kind of worked out that that thing was coaching. Um, <laughs> so I decided that that's what I wanted to do next. And so you went off and got qualified? I went off and got qualified, yep. I left my job um, and uh, not straight away, but after, mm. after a little while of thinking about that and working it all out, left my job and I went and did some qualifications in coaching. And yeah, here I am now. <laughs> Fantastic. So. You joined us at the end of February. So prior to joining us, how were you getting on with building your business? What, what were you doing and how was it going? It was really hard um, because I was, I think I made the 
mistake, but I, I fell into the trap that loads of coaches do where I just thought coaching is amazing and everyone could benefit from coaching and I can coach anybody and, you know, happy days. Um, it's just going to be a case of telling a few people about it or coaching a few people and they'll tell everyone they know and it'll be, that's how it's all going to happen. Um, and needless to say, that didn't happen at all. <laughs> so the people that I was coaching initially were people that had some kind of connection to me somehow. So they were friends of friends or someone that knew someone that knew someone that I knew. Mm. Um, and that was fine. It certainly wasn't enough for a sustainable business. Mm. Um, nowhere near it. And also it never really satisfied me because I didn't feel as if I was, it was as if they were coming to me because they just sort of heard about me and that I could be useful to them rather than feeling that they were really wanting what it was that I had to offer, yeah. if that makes sense. They were curious rather than seeking a solution to something. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I, I did kind of, you know, go along like that for a few months, but it, it, I knew it wasn't sustainable mm. at all. Mm. So and it, and it also wasn't going to run out of people. <laughs> <laughs> a, you were going to run out of people, and B, it wasn't ticking your emotional fulfilment boxes. No, exactly. And I, I loved the coaching sessions that I was having with people, um, but it felt like there was a piece of the jigsaw missing somehow mm. Mm. okay and actually i suppose there were two pieces weren't there there's the emotional fulfillment and there's financial fulfillment and those two things when you put them together that's that's the holy grail isn't it yeah it is and you're right i i had the emotional fulfillment was there at the beginning because i thought oh i wanted to learn how to be a coach and i have and now i am coaching some people and that's that's good that's great yeah, the, emo the financial side of things wasn't there and I was supplementing my work initially with some freelancing um, as well to keep me going, which had kind of always been the plan. I knew I wasn't going to just step out of my job and suddenly be earning mm. a full-time salary being a coach. Um, but quite quickly, it all started to seem a lot more challenging. Mm. Because I just knew I wasn't quite hitting the mark um, mm. in some way or another. And did you know why? Or yeah, I did. I knew it was because I wasn't doing the right things to get clients, and I didn't want to be a coach who just does something else and does a bit of coaching on the side. Mm. Um, I didn't want to be that, mm. and I could see myself if I didn't do something drastic going down that route um, and I just thought no I, I I don't want to do that I don't want to go back to working in research again mm. um, and I don't want to be a kind of hobby coach so yeah yeah it, it started to get quite urgent I guess to do something about it not just financially but also just to get that feeling of like you say that kind of fulfillment or feeling that I was really achieving what I wanted to achieve mm. that that description of a hobby coach is really interesting because I, I 
I know there are a lot of people out there who are hobby coaches who would love to be full-time coaches, but they're just missing a piece to use your phrase. They're missing a piece. And, And instead they end up doing something to pay the bills and the coaching for the emotional fulfillment. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, while I was prepared at the beginning, when I was kind of planning, um, I was going to leave my job and how it was all going to pan out. I was really prepared to do something to pay the bills on the side while I built up my coaching business. Um, But I didn't ever want to get to the point where um, it it was the other way around and the coaching was the bit on the side to the other thing. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I get that. I get that completely. And, and so, so you found us. Yeah, I did. <laughs> you found us at the end of February. And, and then what happened? Well, after I found you, and I had been lurking in the, in the sidelines for a while, watching, you know, I think I joined your Facebook group. I can't really remember. And I can't even remember how I first came about you. It must have been on Facebook, I guess. Facebook or LinkedIn, it will have been. Probably. So I did kind of watch um, from the sidelines for a little while. And I thought, yeah, this sounds, this sounds like a place that could really help me mm. a lot. And a lot of the things that you were talking about made absolute sense to me. All the stuff about the ideal client being super focused on... Uh, you know a niche kind of person and all of that stuff and and also the the message that you can do it you can have a successful coaching business if you just get a few things right um was massively obviously exactly what I wanted to hear but it all kind of made sense to me as well the way the things that you were talking about so yeah, we spoke a couple of times, as you said, and then I decided, you know, to have the, the full mentoring um, sort of experience, as it were. <laughs> as it were. And, and, and to be clear, you are still in that process. Still this in the process, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so your mentor is Paul. Paul's yes. Mm-hmm. So you had your first session with Paul. Now it's very unusual the way that we work because normally if you're if you're working with a coach or a mentor, you'd have had a conversation with them before your first session. Mm-hmm. But we work slightly differently in that you are allocated a mentor and we have this kind of um rule, I'm doing the, the bunny ears um air quotes here, that, that if anybody ever has an issue with their mentor, ever, whatever it is, that they can we can swap. That's absolutely mm-hmm. fine. It's only ever happened twice. Mm. that anybody's wanted to swap and and um liz o'neill one of our mentors says that i'm a a mentor whisperer she says she gets it right i don't know how she does it so so there you are you get paul snell as your mentor and and so you meet the first time and and tell me how that went yeah it was great it was really good to meet paul for the first time and i think i i can't even really remember what we talked about in the first session um, I think we talked about kind of my background and, you know, my initial thoughts about my ideal client and who I wanted to work with and all of that kind of stuff. But I do remember um, coming away from the first session and thinking, yeah, this is going to work out OK. Mm. Um, because I, I was, you know, 
I wasn't sure when I signed up, it, it did feel like a little bit of a gamble, if I'm completely honest. I think it always does, doesn't it? Yeah. It's, a, it's a tiny sum. Yeah. And, and you've only got the word of the few people that you've spoken to. It's not like there's something tangible that you can pick up and examine, is it? Exactly. And I, you know, I'd got to the point where I thought, okay, pay the money, have the <laughs> mentoring and give yourself a really good chance of succeeding or don't pay it and carry on doing what you're doing. And there's a pretty high chance that you're just not going to succeed at all. So when I weighed it up like that, it was a bit of a no brainer. Mm. Um, and I do. So I remember after my first session with Paul thinking, yeah, this has been the right decision. Um, I, I know that this is going to help me. Mm. Um, Paul, well, all of our mentors, but obviously I know Paul because I live with Paul. He's mm -hmm. a safe pair of hands, isn't it? You feel yeah. like, that's okay I can stop worrying about this now because he's got me here he's got my back yeah exactly exactly I mean he is like that and he's obviously a really nice guy and it's really easy to talk to him um but I just felt like it was um it's still everything that we talked about still made perfect sense to me I didn't think like he was suddenly introducing me to these concepts or things that I thought well hang on a second what's this about or there was nothing snake oily or weird about it and yet it wasn't like really basic and simple either because mm. um, I didn't want somebody who was just going to kind of tell me stuff that I'd already kind of new if you know yeah. what I mean yeah yeah what you wanted was that knowledge gap filling without feeling either patronized or condescended to exactly exactly yeah, yeah. and that's that's exactly how it was and how it is uh, now that we've kind of progressed on and and done more sessions so yeah so tell that's me then bad. tell me about your ideal client well my ideal client is effectively somebody just like me um <laughs> from a few years ago so my ideal client is somebody who works in market research um, and who has done probably for quite a few years mm -hmm. and has got to that point where they are thinking I just don't know about this anymore I don't know if this is the right thing for me I don't know if I still want to do it but I don't know what it is that I do want to do um, so that's, you know, and it, it's people who are really, you know, my, my strap line or headline or whatever you call it on LinkedIn is helping market research professionals lose the Sunday night dread. And so many people that I speak to go, oh God, I've so totally got that. I have that feeling. I hate Sunday nights because I hate the thought that I have to go to work again and do stuff that I just, I don't really want to do. Mm. Um, so those are the people that are my ideal clients um, and the people that I really love working with. Okay, so we're now, what, three months in? Mm -hmm. And so far, what kind of marketing activities have you been doing? Bearing in mind, this has all been lockdown. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all happened across lockdown. So tell me, what kind, of, what kind of activities have you been doing? So my main place that I kind of hang out, as it were, is LinkedIn. Mm. Um, so I do posting on LinkedIn um, on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. 
Um, that's my main thing. I do some networking, um, was doing face-to-face, -face, obviously not now, um, doing the online thing. Um, but that's a couple of times a month, probably, mm. um, that I go to a couple of networking groups that I've now identified after experimenting with all of them. Um, I found a couple that, that I enjoy and that sort of are good for me. Um, so I go to those. Um, that at this stage of the game, that's it. Um, that's all I do at the moment and it's all that I have done. So. Yeah, well, mostly because it's very difficult to do much else, really. That's true, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, we're only just being allowed to leave our houses, aren't we? I mean, we're recording this on the 15th of June, which is the day that apparently the high street is opening in whatever, mm. however that's going to look. Um, so, so everything that you've done, is that how much, sorry, I'm just, I'm, the reason I keep repeating this, I'm thinking this is actually even more remarkable than it might ordinarily have been, because everything that you've done has been done basically from your bedroom, from your office. Yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> so you, you haven't left the house, and yet, from posting daily on LinkedIn and a couple of networking events a, a month, I remember when we very first started talking, you were going to a lot of networking events. Yeah, I was, yeah. It wasn't proving very fruitful. No. Expensive, but not fruitful. Yeah. So what we, what we tell our potential clients is that our process will generate inbound inquiries so people will come to you and they will say hey steph i read this thing that you wrote or i heard this thing that you said and you are talking about me how's that going for you it's going really well um in certainly in just the last few weeks i'd say um I'm getting lots of inbound inquiries. I think last week I had one every day um, and a couple at the weekends as well. Um, and yeah, that, that is what people say to me. They say, you're, you, you get it, you're, you've read my mind, you know how I feel, this is exactly how I feel. Mm. So yeah. the inbound inquiries are definitely coming now. Um, which is which yeah. is perfect which is absolutely perfect because of course you can't you can't sit down and have a conversation with somebody to to convert them to a client if you can't find the people that want to have the conversations with you exactly yeah and that's the whole point of this ideal client stuff is it stops it being uh, there are seven sorry the dog's barking in the background that's us <laughs> keeping it real <laughs> so you know it's a live podcast I'm that, that when, when new coaches kind of step out of coach training school all fresh and eager and they're like, there are 7 billion people in this world and I can help them all. Mm -hmm. um, and then we narrow it right down to a, a subsection of a subsection of it. You know, you're not working with market researchers, you're working very specifically with market researchers who are dumb, yeah. who've had enough. Yeah. And, and in, in narrowing and narrowing and narrowing, what that actually does is increase your exposure to the kind of client that you want to work with. Yeah, it does. And I think I also get the odd inquiry from people saying, oh, do you do solicitors or whatever? Because I'm not in research, but I feel like that about my job. And so it, it kind of 
filters out, doesn't it? Yeah, that, this is what I, I call the dartboard thing, yeah. is, that, is that your ideal client is the bullseye on the dartboard. But yeah. there are all of those other scores as well. And, yeah. and the thing that's keeping your ideal client awake at three o'clock in the morning, which is, oh my God, I hate this. And I've got this Sunday night dread. And what am I going to, I don't know what else I can do. That's, that's the big issue. That will be shared by so many people who are not market researchers. Yeah. So it isn't that you're only ever going to work with that one kind of client. It's that you're going to focus your marketing on that kind of client. But anybody who shares those feelings from any field or industry or profession can say, do you know what, Steph, actually, although I'm not a market researcher, you're talking about me. Exactly. Exactly. And, and just to kind of go take this to its obvious conclusions, you can help them too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because, you know, the, the coaching that I do, once we have actually started working together, it's nothing unique to market research. It's unique to the individual person and the feelings that they're feeling and the problems that they're having. So yes, I, I can specifically relate to that industry um, because I've been there and I know the lingo and all the rest of it, but the problem isn't unique, as you say, and it's not specific. No, no. And, and what's, What's interesting, particularly about that particular problem, so in any industry or in any situation where you know what you don't want, but you're not sure what you do want, the problem that I find that, that one comes across is that we look inside our own heads for the answer. Yeah. And of course, if the answer was inside our own heads, we wouldn't be in this situation anyway, would we? Yeah, exactly. And it, I find it interesting that quite a few people that I've spoken to say oh you know I really resonate what you say really resonates with me and I feel like that and everything but I'm not sure if I'm ready for coaching yet because I haven't quite worked out what it is that I want to do next and I don't know if that's a researcher specific um, thing <laughs> you know that we like to have it all figured out but I say but that's the point you know if you had it all worked out, you wouldn't need the help of a coach. So, yeah. I, I have coaches come to me and say, I can't work with you yet because I don't know who my ideal client is. Yeah. <laughs> Same thing, isn't it? I, I haven't got the answers that working with you will give me, so I can't work with you yet. Yeah, I know. Exactly the same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's bizarre, isn't it? Yeah. So, miss three months in and getting a lead every day. Where... What, what, where do you see this going? How do you feel about looking forward? Well, I feel, I mean, in terms of how I feel, I feel really excited about looking forward now mm -hmm. um, because I feel, you know, God, by no means do I feel like I've got this sussed and I'm, you know, there's a lot of work to be done and it's still really early days for me, but I feel good that I'm on the right track now um, or the right approach or whatever it is you want to call it. Um, and considering that, you know, last year I was just basically flailing around trying lots of different things and none of them really working or whatever, then that feels amazing um, mm. to have that sense of okay I know what I'm doing now or what I'm trying to do 
um, so yeah, hopefully just, um, you know, keep going with it. And so I have to challenge you when you say, hopefully, <laughs> <laughs> not hopefully you will keep going. Of course you will. Of course you will. You'll keep moving forwards. Yeah. Yes. Well, yes. There's, no, there's nothing to stop you. Is there, you, you know what you're doing, mm -hmm. you know how to do it. The next thing is, is, is growing it. Yeah and being in different places and having um, different touch points for your clients, potential clients to find you. Yeah. And I, I think that actually sums it up because now thinking about growing it compared to thinking about starting it um, is a really cool feeling. Mm. Yeah. A nice feeling. Yeah. Brilliant. Steph, thank you. Thank you very much for your time. No, thank you for having me. <laughs> it's been lovely to talk to you. And you.